The thoughts, views, beliefs, and opinions expressed in this program are not necessarily those of our affiliate network. Welcome to another episode of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. We are your hosts. I am Rick Hale, ghost hunter and author. And with me, as always, is self-proclaimed world's sexiest paranormal investigator and author, Steven David Lancaster. It sounds so much better when somebody else says it. I, I'm Self-proclaimed, though, Steven. Self-proclaimed. I had to laugh at one of my friends, Mammy, because, you know, people... Uh, that that watch our show and love it they'd love our antics and our banter oh, yeah. and, and our um you know just playful jitter as i call it and mm -hmm. she sends me this video she was watching us on her smart tv and uh she was just happened to be watching the clip with the um the rick hale action figure where mm -hmm. I'm, I'm shooting the rick hale action figure and and, and she she uh films that and you can hear her in the background yeah that's right rick you know, it's, it just cracked me up because people are really enjoying what uh, we're doing, man. And here you know, we are, almost, almost at the end of this first season. Yes, we have. First off, I just want to say I am, I am truly excited. Like the nerd in me is truly excited that there is an action figure of me out there in the world. Love it. Um, and uh, secondly, yeah, I mean, we're, this is set. This is seventeen. We're gonna do eighteen next week. And uh, that's it for the season. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a little bit of a break, do some stuff. You have some projects to do. We're going to do a little bit of traveling this summer. And then we're going to come back fresh and new with some, with some more guests, some more fun stuff to talk about. And, of course, you know, Stephen being the you know, self-proclaimed world's sexiest paranormal investigator. We, and, and you know what? And I really like that, really that we are coming into people's homes on their smart TV. Yeah, That's you know, awesome. I, I'm not so sure. Uh, I like the pattern I'm seeing. You know, we had we had one viewer, you know, suggest bashing your head in with a barbed wire baseball bat. Whoa, uh, what was that all about? Y you I remember mean, like, that we talked about that? Oh yeah, no, no, no. I know. I'm just saying. What was that? They're like, dude, get some help, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I just recently had a friend, Mary. That's right. Mm -hmm. I'm calling you out live right here. You know, who was happy that I was shooting you. You know, what does this say about our viewers? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when we, we, you know, when we start getting death threats and stuff like that, that's, that's when we really got to worry, I, right? I mean, 
I mean, you know, at, at least with a stalker, at least you know you've, like, arrived in some weird way. But, um, you know, yeah, people that want to kill you. God damn, Mary. It, it puts a lot of pressure on us for next week's season finale. So, what do we have for this episode, Rick? Well, we are going to be talking about some great stuff. And one of the topics we're going to be talking about is also something that has been in the news, not just the paranormal news, but in the mainstream news, and that is disclosure. Yes. Um, what, you know, whether or not the government is finally going to fess up. And before I, before I continue, allow me to just say I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, okay? Um, but I do think that our government knows a little bit more about us being visited than they would care to admit. But at the same time, I think that they are just as much in the dark about what this is as we are. So if there's like a conspiracy, not of silence, but a conspiracy of ignorance. And ignorance doesn't mean stupid. Ignorance just means uninformed or not able to understand, you know. But uh, we're going to be talking about that. And today in um, or this week in Ghostwatch, I'm going to be talking about a famous case by my personal hero in the par- in paranormal land, and that being uh, Mr. Peter Underwood. He was for 33 years the president of the London Ghost Club, and this is a really strange case that he worked. And I wrote an article for the SpookyIsles.com, and it's called Peter Underwood versus the Vampire. So nice. you know we're going to be yes. So we are going to be getting into that. And uh, Steve, what do you got for us? Well, thank you for asking. We You're are welcome, we're going to start out Rick's segment on the non on the disclosure non disclosure. Of course, I'm going to play devil's advocate so we can mm-hmm. have a conversation. But we're going to start that out by talking about client confidentiality. Oh, when, I like that. When is it right? When is it not? You know what? What you see a lot of people out there that just are constantly throwing out. I've been here. I've been there. Here's the pictures, and we're going to talk about that. Um, I've got a great haunted salvage for this episode. We're going to bring up a Dybbuk box, one that I have here in my house. One of the few things that I believe could be have an attachment. So we're going to talk about that. It's a very tragic story. If you guys at home are sensitive to um, things that involve children. I'll give a warning prior to it, and you can just tune that part out. Um, So, yeah, we're going to talk about that stuff. Rick's going to talk about Peter and Wood, and I'm really starting to see a pattern here. Last week, it was the clap. This this week, it's Peter and Wood. Uh, It's Peter Underwood, my friend. Show some respect. Hey, Peter Underwood. You know, it's all all about perspective, Rick. Yeah, it's all coming into focus here. But when we come back, guys, we are going to talk about client confidentiality. You're working somebody's case. Who should you say something to? Who should you not say something to? Or should you say anything at all? So you guys check out this commercial and we'll be right back. Do you enjoy reading about the paranormal? Check out the highly rated literary works from us, the hosts of Shadow Initiative TV. Paranormal investigator Rick Hale offers you the Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual, Poltergeists, Ghosts, and Demons, Bullets, Booze, and Babes, The Haunted History of Chicago and Illinois, and behold, shocking true tales of terror, and some other spooky stuff. 
But if you're thirsty for more, I bring you true case files of a paranormal investigator and dark spirits, a man terrorized by the supernatural. But if you want to go even further, dive deep into the dark reality of haunted dolls. Check out my paranormal bestsellers, Norman, the doll that needed to be locked away, and Norman 2, the true story of a possessed doll's revenge. Available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever fine books are sold. Alright guys, you just checked out a commercial about Rick Hale's books, this guy's books. If you guys are into the paranormal and you want to actually read about true paranormal stories, check out our stuff. Um, what we're going to talk about now is client confidentiality. A lot of people like you guys out there probably don't think about this. Um, mm. But when Rick or myself, let's say we take a case for just your average Joe down the street, where they're, they're trusting us to be in their home, 99% of the time, you know, without their supervision, you know, they're trusting us around their, their, their precious items, their personal belongings. They're trusting us, period. Right. And I've seen a growing trend on YouTube, Facebook, uh, of these weekend warriors, as we call them, that they get their first investigation, they're so excited, and uh, all of a sudden there's videos of them in somebody's house, basically giving the viewer the entire layout, layout of the house, and that's okay if the viewer, or if the, if the client is down with that. If the clear, you know, they say, hey, you can put my stuff out there, I don't care, I've got nothing to hide, that's fine. But I've seen these cases that kind of backfire. You know, Rick, what's your take on that? And I know you're you're a confidentiality kind of person, you know, respecting clients. Oh, yeah. But, but have you seen this? I mean, have you seen people like, you know, just kind of, should you be putting that stuff out there? No, you shouldn't be putting that stuff out there unless you have the, ex the express written consent of the client. You know, I, I got into this thing with a uh, famous well, you know, famous paranormal investigator uh, a few years ago. And he's like, you know, I've never heard of you. And it's like, well, you probably never heard of me because I don't feel the need to put everything that I've ever done out there on the internet so everybody can see, uh, you know, everybody's private business. And it's that conversation that prompted me to write my second book, Behold Shocking True Tales of Terror and some other spooky stuff. Um, because you don't need to put all that stuff out there. When you go into somebody's home, it's because they want you there and because they are trusting you to be in their um, sanctuary, you know, to, you know, to, to use an old fashioned term. They're trusting you to be there. They have something going on or they think they have something going on and they want you there because you're going to hopefully give them answers. The last thing they want to see is their face all over the internet and all over social media and pictures of the outside of their house showing their uh, showing their address and this happens a lot mm -hmm. and you know i have i have toyed in the past with um you know videoing my investigations and you know putting it out there just to show people but the thing is is like when i bring up the written consent the client looks at me like, I don't want to do that. And I'm down with that. So I stopped doing it. And um, I will, you know, unless something changes, I won't be doing that at all. 
so yeah, I think that you know client consent and client confidentiality are two of the most important things, especially when you're dealing with people in their private homes. Yeah, you know, and I have dealt with that a hundred times over. I come equipped with confidentiality forms, non-disclosure, you know, uh, uh, contracts that state, hey, are you okay with this being written about possibly in a future book? Mm -hmm. Possibly being put on YouTube. Back when I was doing Monster Vision TV, possibly being put on Monster, are you okay? And if they said no with all that, then that's fine. We signed the agreements. Everything's still filmed. You know, their interviews still filmed. That's all for me. That's for the case file. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's private. But if they say no, that stuff doesn't come out. But, you know, and, and I ran into that personally with, with the Norman case. You know, when I did the first Norman book, the publisher wanted more pictures. And there's a ton of pictures in the book, but they wanted exterior shots of my house. And yeah, I said, a, absolutely happen. not. Because last, I, I, the exact words I said, the last thing I want is to become a stop for people out there taking selfies in front of the Norman house. Right. You know, that's, right. I, I, no, I'm, I separate my personal life and the paranormal life. Um, and, and I ran into, you know, it, it really shows your character. Because there's some investigators out there that are so overzealous, you know, they will put that stuff out there whether the client wants them to or not. And mm-hmm. they, and that's just another example of investigators giving the the field as a whole a bad name. You know, yeah. I, I did, uh, I put a lot of money into, a lot of resources, my entire team. We were shooting a documentary four or five years ago called Visitant. And it was about the Johnson family haunting. Okay. It was the most promising documentary I think I've ever been a part of. The it, the sneak peek was 10 minutes. It was getting raves and reviews, uh, huge hits on YouTube. The Johnson family was excited about it. They signed everything that needed to be signed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I spent three months in, in, in post-production trying to put this thing together for an October release. And uh, the family started getting a little antsy. Yeah. about it and even though i had the legal right to release every ounce of it every ounce because they had signed away any rights that they had tenfold they came to me and they said look we just is there any way you do not put this out there because the more they thought about it they didn't want their little town up in virginia and, and their house and just they just didn't want all the crap that was going to come with it Sure. And, you know, it hurt because thousands of dollars were spent. A lot of time was spent. But I had to respect their wishes. I didn't have to. But because I'm a good guy, it's like, look, okay, we'll just stop it. Mm -hmm. And I cut the production and immediately thought, okay, well, I've got to throw something together because I've promised the Monster Vision audience a documentary by October. So no shit, Rick. Once I pulled the plug on Visitant, I got with the crew that could work with me at, at in a small time frame. We drove to South Carolina. We spent the weekend at the Brentwood Wine Bistro. And in less than 30 days, I released a documentary called Phantom. Yeah. That documentary was done like that. And it, the whole reason that documentary was done on the Brentwood was because the other one got nixed. Yeah. But that the point was, 
respecting what the client wanted, even though I was legally in the right. You know, you just got, now somebody like Zach Baggins would have said "fuck you" and, and put it out there like he does every week. You know, right? Yeah, I and mean, you know, and, and to speak a little bit more about what you were saying, you know, with your own privacy, because we deserve our privacy as well. Um, when I started writing books and I started getting more readers with articles, and I was doing the shows, I had in my social media where I lived, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people were under the impression that I live you know, within Chicago city limits. And we actually live about 30 miles north. Mm-hmm. Although I'm originally from Chicago, we don't live there. Okay. So, you know, my wife is like, hey, look, you know, you're doing these shows. You're, you're, you're starting to get a lot of readers. Can you please take out where you live? Done. Because it's like, not only do I deserve my own privacy, but my wife and my son and my family, they, they, an extended family, they deserve the privacy as well. So it's just, it's all an issue of, of privacy. Everybody deserves their own privacy. Um, but with, you know, with a movie like Visitant, I think that's awesome, dude, that although you had every legal right, they signed all the paperwork and, uh, and, and I was wondering what happened to that because you never told me what happened with that because I was looking forward to seeing it. And, um, but I think that's awesome that you were like, Okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a, a solid dude about this, and I'm just not gonna you know put it out there. But Phantom came out of it, which was fantastic. It still blows my mind because that was just like I can't believe how fast that came together. But you know to kind of keep it in, into uh, the same tone of what we're talking about, you can't always avoid it either. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in my books. I don't put, you know how it always has the little author bio and where where they live, the town yeah. anyway, you know. I think my first book I put my hometown. I think my second book I put a town like three towns over. You know, I've mm-hmm. never actually, but you can't always avoid it. Um, yeah. People will recognize you. You know, I, I can remember going into Lowe's one time in Myrtle Beach, a guy yelling down the aisle, hey, Ghostbuster. You know, and narcissistic I, bastard. And I had no idea who this guy was. And I'm like, what the? Mm-hmm. You know, recently, and I may have told you this, or maybe it was somebody else. Um, we order Pizza Hut every so often, you know, when it's just one of those lazy nights. And I, because mm-hmm. I like my hot wings. And uh, the driver, you know, he's coming for delivery. And I'm standing out there. And it, it really bothered me because I wasn't really in paranormal Steven mode. You know, mm-hmm. with the hat, and you know, I was in like a a, a tank top. I, I maybe my boxers. I don't know, man. You know, and this guy, he starts. He goes, "Man, we've kind of been asking each other down at the, the Pizza Hut." He's like, "Are are you the guy that, that wrote the whole Norman the Doll thing? Is this where it happened?" I was like, "Shit." Oh. <laughs> and no. I was like, yeah, that's me, man. He's like, oh my God, so all that shit really happened? He's like whispering. We're standing outside. I'm like, why are you whispering, dude? You know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it really happened, man. He's at this house? And I said, yeah, man, his face just got white, dude. I was like, I'm never going to see that delivered guy again. But there it was, you know, just it gets out there. There's sometimes you can't avoid it. But there's well, you many know, it, times when you're in control of somebody else's destiny, when you take that responsibility of the case, you need to respect what those people ask. Yeah. You know, you know I'm, I, I'm like, go ahead. I, I've, I've never been um, recognized. I'm sure that probably 99% of the people out there are still thinking, Rick Hale, who the hell is that guy? 
Who's so, that? Who the hell? Who, who the hell is that guy? But um, yeah, you know, it, it's everybody deserves their own privacy, and um, you know, no matter who you are, and 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 I think that too of like of like you know, real celebrities, like people who are you know making hundreds of millions of dollars to be in movies. It's like paparazzi, dude. Get a goddamn life, man, and just leave these people alone. And there, there's a certain, you know, you can't complain too much because there, there's a certain responsibility you just have to accept. You know, when you mm-hmm. like us doing this show, you know, we if somebody sees us and says, "Hey, you, you're the guys that do that," we can't, we can't, you know, put them down for that. <laughs> you no, know, we're putting ourselves out there. You know, right? That's just something you got to do. And uh, that's something you got to do as the uh, self-proclaimed world sexiest ghost hunter. Exactly. You try living up to that, man. You know, like I said, I know? live up to that every day. I mean, look at that chin; it's perfect. Oh, the grooming is is magnificent. It's just it's magnificent. Yeah, it is. No, but seriously, it's uh, yeah. I mean, people. Uh, for the record, guys, I don't really see myself like that. But yeah, I mean, I don't either. It, yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody deserves their 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 privacy. Well, you know, one last thing I'll say before we we move on here is I, I've had clients, um, a restaurant in particular, which I'm not going to name. Uh was absolutely fine with me publicly putting this stuff out there because they knew it would draw mm-hmm. them business. But that came with a little disclaimer. There were certain pieces of evidence and certain elements about the case that they did not want made public. And these were darker elements. They didn't want that reputation out there to scare people from coming. What was the last yeah, thing you did heard? Yeah, did you get the Stephen Android thing? No, no. Um, okay. <laughs> I said, oh, God, he finally shut up the Stephen Android. Oh! <laughs> wow, Rick. Cut deep. You're welcome. I cut deep. But what I was saying is, you know, a particular ooh, restaurant... Ooh, ooh. <laughs> 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 hey, uh... A particular restaurant was fine with putting their stuff out there. Yeah. They just didn't want certain pieces of evidence and uh, certain darker elements uh, of the case made public because they didn't want to scare customers from coming to their establishment. Mm -hmm. So, for me, it was like, oh, but this is like the best piece of evidence ever, (laughs) you know? But they didn't want it out there. So, you got to respect that, too. Well, look, guys. Uh When we come back, we're going to take just another quick break, show you a commercial you've seen now 17 times, and Rick wants to talk about anal probing. So, <laughs> you guys check this it's out. Not, it's not that kind of show. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Oh, there it comes! What? What? The dumb waiter. What? You scared the shit. It's going what? by itself, the dumb waiter. hair on my body stood up and there was definitely a ghost. I felt tugging on my apron. It was literal, you know, tugging. It was like a person that was looking at me. And uh, I turned my head, it turned its head, and then finally when I stepped towards, like to go back down the stairs, it shot across up into the upstairs dining room. I, I I know that house and there's something strange going on there. 
it really got me very, very scared. And out of that room, you just heard this low, guttural kind of sound. I can't really call it a growl, but it was a menacing, low sound. See that? Holy I got the hell out of there. Okay, I'm not here by myself for sure. But it is happening and it's pretty much on a daily basis. That was my validation that yes, I was not alone in the house and there was definitely a ghost. and it was Essie. Friday night started out crazy from the minute we walked in the door. This place never disappoints. The spirits of the, the Brentwood have proven to, to be here. It's still phenomenal uh, as far as the Brentwood's concerned or the paranormal. Um, what was that? And welcome back to the 17th episode of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Television with myself, Rick Hale, and Stephen Lancaster. Uh, before we left, we were talking about anal probing. We will not be talking about that because we really don't want this ending up on Pornhub. So, <laughs> Steven. Again. <laughs> Steven. Steven has been on Pornhub, so look it up. Um, so, disclosure. Every few years we go into this huge thing where um, people talk about, is the government finally going to disclose whether or not we have been visited or currently being visited, or even if they're living here, um, extraterrestrials and there has been a you know a huge amount of um uh sightings even made by the military and even the military is coming forward and it's like yeah we saw something flying around in the sky that we don't understand what it was and i know that fox news um we won't go too much into fox news because that's that's a different kind of show but fox news runs it regularly um, talking about uh, um, the military seeing what they describe as being otherworldly craft. And uh, I like the idea of disclosure. I really do. Please don't get me wrong. I do believe that we, that the universe around us is big enough that other species have evolved. But assuming that these are species that are able to get here, and assuming that they're species that have gotten past, you know, things like hate and war, um, I don't think that we're ready for disclosure. We can't even get along with our own kind, much less get along with something that comes from an entirely different um, um, evolutionary track. Track. It's just, you know, we, we we got the Israelis and the Israelis and the Palestinians right now doing the El Ducarino over there in the Mideast. 
you know, we can't get along with people of different colors, of different ethnicities, of different sexual preferences. We can't even get along with our own kind being human. I, I honestly, Stephen, I do not think that we're ready for disclosure. I agree. And, and you know, I'll, I'll say a few things before I rant. Um, <clears throat> one, we would be arrogant as a species to believe that we are it. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, as vast as our universe is, come on, that is just complete arrogance. You know, that that's why I can't stand our our, our man-made science saying there, there couldn't possibly be life out there because there's no air and water. Well, that's basing it off of what we need. There, there, yeah. there could be creatures out there or whatever you want to call them that don't, they don't require that at all. Now, yeah. I, I agree with you about putting this out there because I know exactly what would happen. Take take Orson Welles in War of the Worlds. Mm -hmm. Dude, that was a radio broadcast that convinced people we were under attack by aliens. People were boarding up their houses. They were getting weapons. And that's exactly what would happen. It would cause total anarchy. Total mm -hmm. anarchy. Mm -hmm. People are well, not ready thing. for it. Yeah, they're not. And, it, it, you know, it, War of the Worlds, that's just, that's just um, a really good example of what Hollywood and entertainment has done with alien visitation. Um, they have always portrayed um, aliens as being the aggressor. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like Independence Day, coming down here and blowing shit up all over the world and then taking over and killing us or enslaving us all. Uh, uh, the, the, the movie with John Travolta uh, based on the L. Ron Hubbard book. I don't remember what it was called, but that was another one. You know, they come down, they're the aggressor, and I really honestly think that we would wind up being the aggressors um, in this. I think that if they were to send somebody down and be like, hey, you know, live long and prosper, we're going to wind up blowing them away before they can tell us, you know, we got a really good deal for you. I, I just don't think it's going to ha happen. I do think or should it, happen. I, I do think it's wise to keep it at a minimum, you know, because you put that fear and panic in people. We know a history has taught us. Look at what they did to people they thought were witches. You yeah. know, now now let them think that somebody's an alien. You, it, it, it's total chaos. Total chaos. Right now, something that that bothers me. Actually, two things that bother me about all these videos that are surfacing is, again, with the shitty camera quality, mm -hmm. this is a, a fighter jet, a multi-million yeah, dollar fighter jet, and the cheapest Android phone you could buy at the Dollar General would film better than that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, that makes you wonder, too. You know, what, what's going on with that? And people need to understand that UFO does not always mean alien. When, when, right. when the Air Force says we've got an unidentified flying object, that just means it's unidentified. That could be somebody illegally in airspace. It could be anything. They just haven't identified it. That right. doesn't necessarily mean E.T. Right. You know, there, there's another thing. To, there's another um, aspect to look at this, too. I honestly wonder if this is also sort of a distraction i've thought that i have thought okay. that. I, yep. I knew that you would because it's like yeah we have a lot of really bad stuff going on in the world right now um we're starting to slowly but surely come out of you know the pandemic to the uh you know the COVID 19 thing and um 
you know, we have a lot of like problems in the world right now with war and, and whatnot. And so it really makes me wonder, it's like, is this just a distraction? Something to get people's minds off the really, really bad shit and to give them hope. You know, there's nothing wrong with giving people hope, but if it's a false hope, there, there's that that's wrong. Well, you know, I've I've heard quite, you know, plentiful theories, you know, that do borderline conspiracy. Some I subscribe to, some I don't, some I look into further. Some may have a little bit of credence to them. Who knows? But, you know, a lot of people out there right now are saying that with every year that passes, our government is trying to control more. Mm-hmm. You know, by giving the stimulus checks, by paying people to stay at home, uh, you know, just by the vaccine ordeals, you know, saying you can't travel without it, you know, stuff like that. Um, trying to force people into their way. And the whole coming out about this could be part of that. Like, you need mm-hmm. us. You need us, our military, to protect you. And so I've heard those theories that maybe it's just not really what we think it is, like you said, a distraction or part of a bigger agenda. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, as far as conspiracy theories are concerned, I, I, I just, I, I think when, you know, you, one of the things that you have to really consider about conspiracy theories is there has to be a lot of people involved to keep it shut, you know, like shut it up, like to keep it going. And human beings we are social animals by nature and sooner or later somebody has to open up their big fat stupid mouth and they're gonna you know and they're they're gonna you know say something and that's my biggest problem with conspiracy theories um do i believe that there is a cabal of satan worshiping pedophile reptilians out there eating children no damn it no i'm sorry i don't am i the only one I, I I think that that's easily one of the most ridiculous things, and I'm sure we'll probably get I'll get dragged through the mud over saying something like that. But do I think that the government knows something? Yes, I do. But like I said at the stop at the top of the show, I think that they are just as much in the dark as we are, which is why they which is why people try to put um, a human spin or a humanoid spin onto this, because if we are being visited. It is by creatures that have are vastly different from us, and we don't understand things like their physiology. We don't understand their psychology. We don't understand their motives because technology, all those, technology, those four things would be so different from us. So, I think that there is a little bit of uh, of a distraction going on. I think that there is a lot of misinformation. And um, one of these days, we're going to be ready, but we have got to evolve as a species past things like hate, past things like war, past things like love of money, uh, past things of like, you know, hey, whose God is better? We have got to get past all of that stuff if we're going to move forward. Do I think that those, you know, of, of course I think religion and God is important. I believe in God. I really do believe in a greater spiritual um, thing than myself, of course. But I don't think that it's something that is worth killing each other over. And we got we to get past all of that if we're going to move on into a brighter future. Otherwise, we're just going to wind up killing ourselves. I don't fear much, 
But that is one thing that I do fear, is the day something like that happens, where we wake up and there are crafts all over the world, whether, mm-hmm. whether they're here peacefully or not, it does not matter. People yeah. are going to panic. It is literally going to turn our world into the walking dead. They are gonna that is exactly what's going to happen. Yes. Pardon my language, but that's Shoot, exactly what's going to happen. Rape, murder, everything. It's going to be total chaos. And I fear right. that day. Like I said, peaceful or not, it's not even. we're not even going to be given a chance. Yeah. You know, and, and do I believe in, in extraterrestrial? Absolutely, I do. And, no doubt. And, and something, you know, they, their tech, our technology is pretty damn great where we sit here in the 21st century. But to have technology like they do to come into our world undetected and stuff like that, I mean, we're, we're just, we're a little fish on a big fucking hook. Yeah, no, I know? totally agree. And do, do I think that they probably have the technology to wipe us out? Yeah. Do I think that they have the technology to stop us from ourselves? Absolutely. But do they have the technology to stop themselves from us? You know what I'm saying? It's like the second, like you said, people are going to freak out. They're going to see these crap. And the next thing you know, you're going to have some dude shooting at it with a missile launcher or an AR-15 or something like that. And we don't have an international uh, problem on our hands. We got an intergalactic one now or interstellar. Uh, situation. Well, you know that that would be the the most genius war plan, whatever you want to call it, war game ever made. Is mm-hmm. all they'd have to do is show up, and we would eradicate ourselves. Mm-hmm. They could just sit up there watching. All they have to do is be present. That's yeah. it. You know. Yep. So, uh, are, are we ready for disclosure? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Not, not, not. Not even in our best of times are we ready to deal with, uh, with, deal with a species that has evolved vastly different from our own. Well, let's take a break, Rick. And when we come back, let's talk Peter Underwood. Underwood. Or is it Peter Underwood? See, it's all in how you say it, buddy. But yeah, a very respected guy. The whole reason Rick does... His version of Ghost Watch. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's 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 based on Peter Underwood's Ghost Watch, which was done for the BBC um, back in the early '80s. And you can find some of this on YouTube. So check mm-hmm. check it out, guys. You'll you'll see Rick's inspiration. Other you know, other than me, you guys already know me, but you know, Peter Underwood inspires him too. Yep. <laughs> so you guys check this out, and we'll be right back with Rick Hale's Ghost Watch. Get with the goat and sell your soul at the Cut Your Heart Out design and fashion store. Visit CutYourHeartOut.Threadless.com to discover everything horror, dark, and occult related when it comes to walking with the shadows in style. Browse her art and find some sinister offerings to fill your home, spirit, and wardrobe. Greeting cards, blankets, clothing, masks, and everything your wicked heart desires. CutYourHeartOut.Threadless.com And be sure to like them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CutYourHeartOut.Fashion If you are dead on the inside, wear it proudly on the outside.
mid-1970s, Peter Underwood, well-known parapsychologist, wrote about a time when he was requested by a young widow to investigate a frightening string of events that affected her son. When he arrived, he was informed that for several days, strange noises were heard in the boy's room at night. According to the mother and the boy, the activity began as a tapping at the window, almost as if someone was trying to get in. Religious articles such as a crucifix that hung on his wall would start spinning. Pictures of saints would fall on the floor and his Bible would be found in odd places around his room. Peter Underwood, being the consummate researcher of the supernatural, believed the family was experiencing recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, commonly known as a poltergeist. He explained the phenomena, but was phenomena was more related to people and not a ghost. And then the situation took a much more sinister tone. Something dark and truly dangerous appeared to be plaguing the boy. While listening to the boy's claims, it was revealed that not long ago, his father had died by his own hand. He committed the unspeakable act of suicide in the house, and the activity seemed to occur not long after that. With each passing moment, the boy's story only got darker. One night, he was awakened by a loud crash in his room. When he looked out the window, he expected to see the moon and stars shining in the night. But what he saw was something that should only be found in nightmares. A great black form hovered outside his window that blotted out the moon and the stars. The boy watched in horror as the figure turned and a pair of eyes glowing in unnatural red burned with malevolence. When he let out a blood-curdling shriek, his mother rushed in and stayed with him comforting her son until the sun peeked over the horizon. A couple nights later, the terror returned. Once again, the boy was awakened by a tapping at the window and an overwhelming compulsion to remove the crucifix from his wall. As he returned to his bed, a cloudy black mass poured in through the window and filled the room. He helplessly watched as the swirling mass began to take the shape of a sinister black figure. The boy was about to scream when he suddenly found himself surrounded by an inky cloud of pure black. According to his mother, when she found him the next morning, he was listless and could barely lift his head to speak. Underward heard of this strange illness that afflicted the boy, and it was anything but natural. Upon leaving, learning of the child's nighttime visitation by the vile creature, Peter Underwood suspected the family wasn't dealing with the poltergeist at all. He believed the boy was being victimized by a vampire, and that vampire might possibly be none other than his deceased father. Armed with his suspicions, Peter Underwood contacted his colleague, Montague Summers, priest, exorcist, and vampire hunter. Summers suggested Underwood use the boy as bait to lure the vampire in and then dispatch it to the dark underworld from whence it came. When he explained his plan to the boy's mother, he sh she shot the plan down without a second thought. The idea of using her son like some kind of worm on a hook horrified her. She then decided to take a more traditional approach. She contacted a priest to come and bless her son's room. And as you might expect, 
it only made matters worse. A couple days after, after the blessing, Underwood received a panic call from the mother. She explained how she had her son's room blessed, but it didn't relieve her son of the creature's attention. When Underwood arrived at the house, he found the boy in another room, lying on a bed. His condition had grown worse, and the boy appeared to be on the verge of death. Underwood also noted a foul odor that hung thick in the air, an odor that reeked of the grave. The parapsychologist knew that something had to be done, and only Montague Summers could help. When Underwood visited his friend, he reported that the situation was becoming dire and the vampire was becoming more deadly. Peter Underwood feared the boy would soon die and his soul would be lost. As Summers carefully considered his words, he disappeared into a back room and returned with a simple box. When he opened the box, it revealed a curious artifact. The object, which was forged from brass, was decorated with a man holding a sword and stake on one side. On the other, a sinister figure with an unusually long nose and piercing eyes, and a circled cross with two birds was mounted in it. Underwood studied the medallion as Summers explained it was a specially blessed medallion with the power to vanquish the undead. According to Summers, the medallion had been in existence since the 15th century and was instrumental in banishing numerous vampires. Summer handed his friends the medallion and told him he could keep it. He believed this would be Underwood's one and only time dealing with vampires. Armed with a medallion and prepared to do battle with true evil, Underwood returned to the house to rescue the boy. Underwood never got the chance to do battle with the undead. The mother followed her doctor's orders in taking the boy to a different climate. She decided to take her son and flee to South Africa and live with family. According to Underwood, the woman and her spiritually tortured son never returned to England, and he never heard from them again. Upon reading this account, you would be forgiven if you thought it sounded like the tale of a late-night creature feature. This account of Peter Underwood's most terrifying investigation can be found in his book, Deeper into the Occult, a book I have read dozens of times. However, every time I read this account, I am torn by what to believe. Was this supposed creature of the night a thought form created by the recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis? Was it an angry ghost of the father returning from the grave to take his son with him? Or was it what Peter Underwood suspected, an undead creature of the night that returned nightly to feed on the boy? One can only speculate. I'm Rick Hale, and this was Ghostwatch. Are you by yourself at the house? Yeah, why? Again, there was this split second where your entire camera just, like, dimmed, shadowy. Just mm-hmm. kind of like that. And then it was done. Yeah, the lights the lights do that. Okay, okay. It, it's, yeah, that, that, that one, that happens all the time. We live in a 100-year-old farmhouse. And, you know, we have a lot that's running on, you know, this, uh, this electricity that we got. And, um... The uh, air conditioner in the front room had switched on, and when that happens, it makes the light dim. Okay. Well, you know, with the way things have been going on, you know, you guys yeah. at home, we've had strange things happen during this show, and we're gonna yeah, we we're have. gonna focus on that uh, on one episode. Who knows when? Um, but there's been like a, a transparent thing walk behind Rick. 
Um, we had last week, you guys could actually watch it if you, if you missed epi episode 16, this strange kind of cloud thing. And, and at first I thought it was cigarette smoke, but it came from... That's what I thought it was, too. It came from above, and it was pointed out by a viewer. I didn't even notice it. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, So, yeah, that... Um, that article can be found at uh, SpookyIsles.com. And if you're like me and you love everything English, ghost story, that's where you're going to find it, Spooky Isles, which is run by uh, David Saunderson, a really, really great guy. And, um, you know, check it out. And also check out that book, too, Deeper Into the Occult by, um, by Peter Underwood. It's one of my favorite books. It's one of the very first books that you know, I had ever read as a, in, as a researcher. Peter Underwood Deeper. That's Deeper. all you guys <laughs> yeah. need to know. I, you can't make this up. Rick's, he's providing the information. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, all we're missing here is a, that's what she said. <laughs> well, look, guys, what is that? We're going to take a uh, quick break, and when we come back, we're doing a Haunted Salvage with a Dybbuk box. So you guys definitely don't want to miss this. We'll see if anything happens. And, uh, yeah, so you guys are with Rick and Steven. We come back Haunted Salvage. Looking for unique handcrafted gifts or accents for your home, office, family, or friends? Check out Shadow Creations, your one-stop custom shop for one-of-a-kind designs for the eclectic mind. Unparalleled Creations by Christina. Like Shadow Creations on Facebook at facebook.com slash cflancaster and stay up to date on her daily releases available to you and easy to find at etsy.com slash shop slash motley by Christina. Shadow Creations, a little motley, a little curious, a little bit different. Browse Shadow Creations at Etsy.com slash shop slash Motley by Christina. All right, Rick, what's what's your thoughts? You know, give give people the the Dybbuk box, man. What what do you think about the Dybbuk box? Well, the Dybbuk box, from what I understand, there's not just one, that there's actually many. And the Dybbuk box is a wine box which holds the spirit of uh, Dybbuk, which in um, Jewish folklore is either an inhuman spirit, or some people think that it's a human spirit that is held to this box. And I know that the one that is that was in the news, and, you know, is now owned by... Uh, you know, Zach Bagan's traveling roadshow of the strange and unusual, his uh, haunted museum there in Las Vegas. Um, he supposedly has the real Dybbuk box or the most haunted one of them all. And it caused a, caused a great deal of problems for the people that have owned it. They, they felt like their life was cursed. And um, I personally don't really know what to make of the Dybbuk box. Do I think that, you know, objects can hold the uh, the memory of of um, of a spirit, yeah, I do believe that. After my dealing with a uh, haunted butter churn in um, in Lake County, Illinois, back in the mid '90s, but um, yeah, I, you know, as far as the Dybbuk box is concerned, man, it is definitely one of the more frightening of the um, more frightening of Mormon, in my opinion. But uh, but you have a Dybbuk box, I do. 
you have one of these. And, and you know, there, there's a religious practice that goes along with this. Like, let's say somebody dies, they'll take a box. And to my understanding, it could be any box. And, and you're basically putting in items of that loved one to, to try to, you know, keep their spirit however you want to word it. Thus, long story short, making it haunted. Well, I acquired one with a very tragic story. And before I bring this thing out, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a streamlined version of this story. This happened in Turkey, okay, during World War II. And uh, there was this little girl, young girl, and this is the, the sad part of the story. If you all don't want to hear about this, just skip ahead when you can or, or just come back here in about five minutes. Uh, she was constantly being raped by her father. Okay, this was a young, young girl. I want to say five to seven years old, maybe not even that old. And um, he was hiding it from the mother. Well, the mother happened to catch him in the act. And the guy panicked. He had had his um, hands around the little girl's neck. I guess that's how he was forcing himself on her. So he panicked and he killed his wife. Because what was she going to do? She was going to get, obviously... She was either going to kill him or, or go to the police or whatever it's called over there in Turkey. You know, the law enforcement. And uh, so he killed his wife. Well, then he had the little girl to worry about. So he killed her, too, by strangling her. <clears throat> then he killed himself. No vile so, piece of human felt, but yes. please continue. So long story short, relatives, of course, tended to all of this tragedy. And uh, one in particular believed in the concept of the Dybbuk box and created one for this little girl. Now, this the, the whole thing's kind of hard to stomach. It was purchased, uh, a guy in Turkey owned it for the longest time, I can't say names, but it was purchased by somebody, believe it or not, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, years and years ago. Well, they had this thing, they collect haunted objects. They're really into the paranormal. They don't really investigate it. They more or less bring this stuff into their house and just observe and report. You know, that that's their gig. That's what they do. Well, this thing was bringing... He could not keep a relationship. Any woman he would bring into the house would just get this overwhelming feeling of dread. He, You know, he just couldn't have anybody there. And yeah. uh, bad things would happen. He would have, the ever since he got the box, the worst luck in the world, that kind of thing. And uh, he got a hold of me, out of the blue. Never heard of this guy ever. And he gets a hold of me. He had read the Norman book. So he knew, and then, of course, did some research on me beyond that. And uh, he's like, you know how to handle haunted objects. I want to give this to you. And I was like, well, of course, I jumped at it, you know. And this guy drove five and a half hours round trip to meet me and give me this Dybbuk box. Now, this is what the box looks like. Okay? And there are things in this box that are related to the little girl. Now, one thing I want to point out before we continue is nine times out of ten, any uh, this does not move. This is sat back there during every episode of our show. It has not moved until today. Okay? Once I put it in that spot, it has sat there. But anytime I move this, it does seem like something kind of unexplainable happens. Now, behind me, I don't know if you've ever seen these, Rick. These are ionic testers. 
Okay, see, it doesn't no. do it. It doesn't do anything unless. See, it's not. Even it's not doing, doing anything now. It's not even doing anything now. So that's. Uh, oh, there we go. Okay, let me grab the other one. You you have to touch the. Eh, well, I'm human. Okay, so in case you guys didn't know at home, that's um, debatable. These, if some if some kind of energy force comes across this antenna. Okay, I'm trying to. Okay, there's a black background, so now you can kind of see it better. Mm -hmm. um, if if something, see so you can shake this motherfucker, whatever. Um, if if some kind of energy, electromagnetic, ionic, comes near these, these will light up blue. Okay. Okay. And I didn't say anything at the beginning of the show. I just had them sitting back here because that's going to stand out. <laughs> these little blue lights, if they just start lighting up without human intervention. Yeah. So now I've pointed them out just in case they do. Don't hold your breath, guys, at home. I'm just saying. So inside this box are things related to this little girl, which always just gives me this sick, sad feeling knowing that. Um, we've got a little, kind of, you know, a little toy purse. Okay, this is all old antiques. This was a little little hair piece. Let me go over here in front of a darker background. Little hair piece. Um, tiny little kneezer, really. I'd like to know what these are worth. Um, these are real utensils before a kid. Very small. We've got a little coat hanger, whatever you want to call it. The one that really gets me, Rick, is the one I'm about to pull out. This is something Zach Baggins would jump at. Oh. I just got, oh my God, I just got freaking cold chills. This, yeah, so did I. this was the little girl's nightie. Oh. Okay. So to have that, it, it, it's mixed feelings. If you know what I'm saying, it, it God, yeah. I can't get the, the goosebumps off of me. Um, cause this little girl was raped and killed, and that's her stuff sitting in front of me. Some girl that I've never met, I can't say names. I, I can't, you know, this is one of those confidentiality things that we mm. were talking about earlier. Can't even say the name of the guy who sold it to me, you know. Uh, and that's why I chose to talk about this. It does look like, I, I believe that this box was probably hers, because it looks like up here, there was maybe a mirror. A mirror, yeah, I was going to say that. Um, but it's just, it's haunting in itself, just to know that story and to, to have this item. And, and like I said, I don't mess with it much. I don't, I don't, I haven't even you know, tried to provoke anything out of it or anything like that. It just seemed like any time I moved it, something would happen. Um, as of right now, nothing that I, I'm aware of has happened. Uh, but it's, I, I don't know where to go from this, man. It's like this, just the whole aura. It's an honor, I guess, is one way to say it. Like, this was important to somebody's family, you know? Yeah. And it's in a place now where it's it's always going to be protected. You know what I'm saying? But to, to that energy that's, I don't know, it, it's probably psychological 
that makes me feel the way I do, but uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. What, what are you, what are your thoughts on on everything? I don't even know what where to say now. I'm losing well, my words. <laughs> you know, I would I would just hope that you know her you know sweet little soul finds the rest that it needs because um, you know for for a long time before I got sick and and lost my leg, I worked with uh, kids who were abused, and um, you know nobody nobody really understands what it's like until you look into the eyes of a child who is abused in mm -hmm. such a way and um, how dark and empty their eyes are. And uh, if her, if her little soul is, is attached to that, at least it's with somebody that is going to take care of it. But I just hope that one day she finds the peace that she needs and can move on to another life. Now I've never there's never been anything in this house that would lead you to believe a, a small girl presence or anything like that. Like I said before, you may, maybe something would fall or, or the lights would flicker or something. Nothing really drastic, and it could all just be coincidence. You know, mm -hmm. zero happened just now. You know. Yeah. So it's different than than your typical haunted objects because you know like with norman yeah you know there's an entity in that thing is it there by choice or, or not is it trapped you know other right. haunted objects you know you're dealing with a dead person mm -hmm. just to put it bluntly you know but the story with that to, to, i don't know man it's just you can I, like i said it's it, in my mind it's probably just psychological because of knowing it and knowing more than what I can actually say, but I, I think I think that the story is more haunting than it actually being a haunted object. Yeah, I agree. Well, with that being said, <laughs> let's get out of this uh, somber mood here at Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV, and we'll take our last break. When we come back, it'll be Rick and Steve rambling time, and uh, we'll see you back here in like two minutes. If I have to fix this thing one more time, I swear I'm canceling the show. I'm canceling it. To catch a live broadcast, join us every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific at YouTube.com slash Label13Videos, Facebook.com slash MonsterVisionTV, or Facebook.com slash AuthorStephenLancaster. jag what's this jag stuff it's it's it, it's a chicago thing you say jerk off or jag off you know and it's, jerk off you sound like yeah, bruce willis it's a uh it's a chicago thing you wouldn't jag. understand it's jag i don't understand i don't even know if i want to understand anyways welcome back guys to the great shadow initiative paranormal television we are on episode 17 we've got one more to close out uh, our very first season. And we can't thank you guys enough for helping make this season just amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, considering the fact how a lot of these shows come and go after a few episodes, to have 17 under our belt and we're about to do our 18th, it, it's just, it's very impressive. And, and, and we have intentions of coming back. 
Yeah, it, with with better gas. Well, I don't want to say it that way. And with more gas, great gas. Um, we because we've had awesome gas. I mean, people you just don't normally hear from that that just gave a hundred percent. And we can't wait to offer you guys more than that, um, or more of that. God, I need to learn that. That whole story's just got me all flabbergasted. Mm -hmm. um, I shouldn't have put myself in that mood today. Anyway. Um, we may, you know, we're taking the summer off, but like Rick and I talked offset, uh, we may get a burn our ass mid July and say, "Hey, let's do a let's bonus do a show. Shadow Initiative Summer Special." Kind of like they used to do back in the '80s with television shows. Like they, they they would have they would have the entire season of a show, and then take the summer off, a summer hiatus. But then they would, you know, they they, they they throw the old dog a bone, man, and, yeah. and give them a new episode. And maybe maybe we'll do that. It, it'll it, it'll be like the DVD bonus episode. You know, the director's cut. Maybe we'll do a show, and then we'll film me and Rick watching our own show. And and lending commentary, so it'll be like the commentary of us watching us being us. It would be like, yeah, be like MST3K, man. Mystery yeah. Science Theater 3000. Exactly. Well, I'll do little silhouettes of, of me and Rick down in the corner. <laughs> and we can be pointing and, and saying, ah! <laughs> you know, whatever. Look at this guy, Steven, over here. You know he's bald underneath that hat. He's man. jagging it, man. Jagging it. No, don't even do it. <laughs> uh, you can't, jagging it? That's not a... No, that's not. That doesn't sound right. So, how would you properly use jag? You know, Rick's been throwing you know, like, Chicago slang. Oh yeah, it's like uh, you know, hey, look at this jag off over here. Look at this jerk off over here. You know, it, it's like it, it, it's Chicago slang. So See, it's off, like you have to say all. You have to follow it with off. So it's like a you can you you can say off or you can't say it or you, you could say it. You don't necessarily have to, but you can if you want to. Just say yeah, that guy's a jag. You know, that's. That's Chicago Ease, my friend. Chicago Ease. Chicago Ease. See, guys, you learn something new every episode of Shadow Nation of Paradise. So it's basically an extension of Jack Off. Yeah. There you go right there. Jack Off. Yeah. But we, we say Jerk Off or we say Jag Off. Oh, my God. Rick, man. I mean. I am so sorry that, we're, that we are bringing this to you. I'm I so just, sorry. There's so many. God. You know, and, and it's it's also too like a couple of times on on the show, I had to catch myself, you know, saying the word front room, because here we say front room, and people are like, what the hell's a front room, or what the hell is a bathroom, or something, you know. So it's like you you kind of have to catch yourself. Like my wife gives me hell all the time because instead of this or they or there or the, I'll be like this. Dare, dad, and <laughs> so it's like yeah, I sound like you know super fans on uh, from Saturday Night Live, you know. Hey Bob. Well, for me, I, hey, how's it going, there, Bob? I, I've experienced that because I'm like a, a crossbreed, you know. I grew up in Maryland, which is like in mm -hmm. the middle. I'm not a damn Yankee and I'm not a Southerner, right? Yeah. In 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 the uh, enemy's eyes. So, but then after college, I moved to New York. Mm -hmm. Okay, to them I sounded like a cowboy. That's how they referred to me up there, cowboy. A cowboy. Then from, from there I moved to Myrtle Beach. So then okay. to them I sounded like a Yankee. But with all that, I like gained like a dialect 
that sometimes comes out northern and then sometimes comes out southern. I, I, the ways of wording things, like up north, we say, man, that's wicked cool. You know, that's wicked. Mm -hmm. You know, wicked's a word, you, you know. Down south, like, I, I'm used to, I'm used to when I go to the grocery store, hey, grab a buggy. Down south, they're like, what's a buggy? I'm like, a cart, whatever. And they call it a cart. cart. You know, yeah, we call it a cart. It's like or a basket. Up, up north, it's a weed whacker. Down south, it's a weed eater, which is the dumbest thing yeah. I've ever heard. I've gotten many arguments. It's not eating them. It's whacking them. Weed whacker uh -huh. sounds – is at least closer to what it's actually doing, yeah. you know? But it's like that. Like you calling shit pop, soda pop, or whatever the fuck you were doing. Pop. You know? Pop, you know? There's pop. There's soda. You know, there's all these different ways of saying it. It's just, you know, the jag, I, the jag thing was new. Up. That was yeah, new. that you know, I, I get it. That is new, but you know, the people that watch our show that are from my neck of the woods, they'll get it. They understand it and they know how to properly use it. Not what whatever jagging means. What the hell is that? Jagging. Well, the shadows are out there now, and I guarantee you, a few of them will probably start using it. You know? Did you think so? Because we're trendsetters here on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. We're, you know, there's people out there that look up to us, Rick, and they're going to start talking like we do and, and viewing things the way we do. And that's just to be expected, you know? Oh, my God. And we've got to remain humble. We really do. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I can't, it's, yeah, um, I got called a role model once when I was, when I was working at Allendale. Your son they don't said count. That, Your son don't count. No, I know. No, but when, when, when I was working at the, um, at, at the Allendale Association, they used to say, well, Rick is a really good role model. And it's like, do you know Rick outside of work? <laughs> There's no role model here. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, but you know, it's like we talked about earlier. That's what separates people is seeing people for who they really are. You know, yeah, yeah I got a foul mouth, a dirty mind. You know, my, I just try to make people laugh. I like to make people feel good. You know, mm -hmm. but I'm also intelligent and serious. And, and some of the the biggest moments in my life, you know, were a few years ago when I was uh, volunteering for that nonprofit there for about two and a half years. I had a high school kid come in, and he knew I was good with film and film production, and he wanted me to mentor him, you know, mm -hmm. so he could go through this class in college. And I did, and he sent me a handwritten letter in the mail thanking me, you know, for all that, and, you know, where other people would be like, really, you're going to him for advice, you know, or blah, blah. I had it, when I did the Forgotten Relics show, I had a teacher from overseas reach out to me and say she was using my videos to help teach English over there. And that made me clean up my act on that show. Because, you know, mm -hmm. I was F this, F that, I'm smoking, it was back when I was drinking, you know, so I was drinking during the show, making it a fun show about antiques and toys, and then all of a sudden I knew that students were going to be watching. You know, I just felt obligated, like, they're using me to teach English? <laughs> time, to, time, to, time to step it up, man. Well, you know, I straightened it out a little bit. Then Mr. I stopped doing Lancaster. the show. Then I stopped doing the show. <laughs> So, yeah, take that for what it's worth. But, anyways, guys, next week is our season finale. Remember, catch up with us, ShadowInitiativeTV.com. Facebook, we're all over it. Catch up on the old episodes. If you guys have guests you'd like to see, shoot them our way. We'll try to, our best to get them. 
um, whatever. Just communicate. It's all about communication. One more episode, and then it's break time, and then when we come back, we're going to come back and, and uh, hit it harder with some with some great guests and some great topics. Yep, one more episode. Rick's going to be down there on the beach with a cigar uh, in, in his little thong speedo showing no, off that body he's been working on. Okay, now I can tell you no cigar because I, I will not smoke. I find it disgusting. Sorry, Stephen. Uh, but the speedo? There's there's a possibility that could happen. Oh, God. <laughs> Ew. Now that's paranormal. That is paranormal. All right, that's guys. We'll catch you next week. Hopefully it'll be something great. <laughs> no speedos. No. All right. No.